This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing games and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Thursday, September 17th of 2020, it's episode 186. In this episode, Brainstorming a Haunted House, plus Cultural Considerations When Gaming with Strangers, What We've Been Reading, New Places to Find Us, Haunted Home Automation, and more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. And I'm Jenny. And we're back and we're doing more spoops. Time to be spooky. After a couple of rather heavy, lengthy, research-intensive episodes in a very close time frame, we're going to give ourselves a little bit of a break and we're going to do some fun, creative stuff together. We're also giving you a break so that I don't go off on a 30-minute explanation of the history of home automation. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll understand what that means when we talk about haunted houses, which is our topic tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of an excuse, an excuse to put into practice the things we said in our ghost episode that I'm sure we all remember. Oh, yeah. I, I remember every single detail. Don't you worry. A- absolutely. Yeah, I do not. <laughs> One thing I will say, I'm going to try in this episode to suggest a couple other directions you could take some of the ideas that we're going to throw out as well. So that this is not just watch us come up with a thing, but rather, hey, here's a thing that you could also develop. Think about it going it this way, right? Or think about taking it this way. All, all those ideas. Yeah. One other thing, too. We are explicitly not going to do something that drops into D&D tonight. No, yeah. no, no. After many, 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 many episodes of D&D-centric content, we felt like it was... We are a general tabletop RPG podcast, and we figured mm-hmm. maybe we should start acting like it again at some point. Yeah, so. we've yeah. just been playing a lot of D&D, although we had, my, and also uh, we my had Star a Wars. whole series on the alignment system. That did not help. We did. So, like... yes. <laughs> I mean, it was good. that? But oh, it yeah, did not it was, help. It was a lot of fun. We had some wonderful guests on. It was, mm-hmm. I would not trade that series for the world. That was wonderful. But it yeah, lots of D&D stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No D&D today. Palette cleanser. That's right. <laughs> yes. Before we get to that, I have a couple of bits of business I'd like to take care of. First of all, how's everybody doing? Good. Uh, doing reasonably well. I'm also doing shockingly well. I just came up from finishing up an Agatha Christie book like five minutes before we sat down to record. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good day. My local library branch has a shelf and a half of Agatha Christie, much of which I have not read, and I'm very excited. Also, Jenny, I picked up Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Oh, good. Okay. Haven't touched it yet, but it's okay. on my list. All right. Awesome. Yeah, That's I'm excited. That's one that I'm thinking of, of reading fairly soon. I because, need to reread that. It's so good. Because there's a readathon that I'm going to be doing. I'm not organizing it. Uh, it's being organized by a book YouTuber or booktuber called Artisan Geek. Yeah, I just subscribed to her today at your suggestion. This sounds yeah. cool. Tell us about this. She's really awesome. She is a Dutch booktuber who really focuses on diverse classics. Like she reads a lot of we think of classics as like, oh, you know, Charlotte Bronte and stuff like that. And like the things that you'd read as an English assignment. But what about other countries, their standard literature assignments and stuff like that? So that's a lot of what she reads. But she is organizing a readathon at the end of October, the last two weeks of October called Fortnite Frights, where you basically have to 
score bingo on a uh, reading prompt bingo card of of spooky books. And I, I want to do it, but I don't want to do it alone. I've been doing like a fair number of reading challenges recently, and I've been doing most of them like completely solo without really talking to anybody about them. I, I want to talk to people about this one because I like spooky books. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you want to just, like, do, like, a, a Twitch stream to talk about them some night or do an extra, like, bonus episode Maybe. that we can just slap up with no editing whatsoever. <laughs> Maybe something <laughs> like that. I, I would be down for that. Oh, yeah, sure. Like, I we, we don't really talk much on here about what we read for fun. We talk about gaming. If I can confess so, a little something, I have hmm. not been reading a whole lot over the past several years. I have been reading more this year than I have over the last literally about seven years. Like I've read more this year than the entire seven years combined because I've been I've gotten deep into like reading challenges and stuff. And like I that. think that's a good way to kind of spark that again. I'm reading things that I would never have read before. Hmm. Like I would never have read. I'm thinking of ending things by Ian Reed, but I, I did. And I had a terrible time. And I recommend that terrible time to everybody. Fair enough. <laughs> um, it, that 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 is actually one that would go really well for Fortnite frights kind of spooky reads. Um, it's very strange though. Fair. I've been reading a whole heck of a lot. Like, and I know that some people might be like, "Oh, only thirty books," but like, I've read thirty books this year. <laughs> that's a lot. Mm, yeah. That's that's. A book every other week and then some, so... Yeah, now, I've read four this week, but Agatha Christie is an outlier and should not have been counted. So, <laughs> you know, they're, yeah, they're like, fairly digestible. Yeah, and I think for me, it's also prompted me, because when I want to read a book, I hype it up for myself so, so mm. much. And I'm like, oh, it's never going to be as good as what's in my head. And, and yeah. then I'm often wrong. I've read a whole bunch of really awesome things recently that I was like oh, I thought this would be, you know, something that I'd read in one sitting and just be done with. But like, it sits with me for, you know, days. So yeah, I, I would love to to talk about the spooky books and stuff like that on the podcast. Let's do it. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. That sounds great. I'm pretty sure that I've written more than I've read in the last several <laughs> years. I have read a couple of things that were really good. And also speaking of fun reading, I got my wife reading Dennessee Taylor's The Bobiverse series. Ooh, that's one that I need to get into myself. Oh, it's so much fun. Really, really enjoyable sci-fi series. Uh was originally a trilogy. It looks like he's got a fourth one coming out, so hmm. I'll definitely be reading that whenever it releases. I also have started doing some... I'm not going to say fun reading, but it's interesting. Uh, I am currently reading a book called Jesus and John Wayne about how kind of violence started getting a bit more acceptable in certain Christian subcultures in the United States and hmm. you know, kind of how that came about. And I think it eventually gets around to a bit of, you know, what to do about it, but I'm not there yet in that book. So hmm. heard about that. If you remember kind of back when um, all of the protests in the U S started the black lives matter stuff after George Floyd's death and things, Phil Vischer, the guy who created VeggieTales, did a, a video on race in America that was really, really good, right? You guys remember that? Did you see it? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I, I remember seeing it, but okay. I don't remember all of it. Just kind of on a whim this past weekend, I looked up some of his other stuff that he's done through that YouTube channel and came across an interview from the author of the book that I'm reading right now that was really, really good. 
That's uh, and he's got some other stuff on there too. If you're if you're looking for a a very Christian YouTube channel that kind of gets into politics but is in no way partisan, like kind of takes like stuff through the the lens of faith first, and then kind of says, okay, well, you know, with with this being the Christian perspective, how do we engage with kind of the larger world of, you know, being a citizen and that sort of thing, hmm. that would be a really good one to check out. I haven't necessarily agreed with everything that um, they've said on there, but they're at least very sincere in their faith and they're they're willing to kind of take on some people that have a bit, you know, enough prestige where other Christian podcasts might not be willing to be as critical as they are. So I kind of appreciated that about them. I have two other things that I want to plug, and they're sort of related. And these are new places where you can find our podcast. The first one I want to talk about is a, a simpler one. This is faithcasts.com, which tries to be a center to find Christian podcasts, right? You know, their tagline is, you know, to Christian podcasts to help keep the faith. Uh, or to help you keep the faith, which is fine. There's a whole bunch of them there. Uh, and I do note that a number of our friends, like OneGeek411, are over there as well. So it's a, probably a good place to go to find them. They seem to have just started. And uh, so if you want to help get them off the ground, go there, find a couple other podcasts that are potentially of interest to you. Seems like a good place for it. There's another place you can find us, and this is really interesting for us because it's the first time we've ever been involved in anything like this. This is Pray.com. Now, some of you may be familiar with Pray.com because it's primarily an app, just a mobile app, and a subscription service. Uh, it is originally sort of a social network for churches, but has recently sort of graduated into producing a lot of audio content. Uh, they do daily devotions, they do readings, uh, dramatic readings, like with full voice acting from the Bible. They got Disney voice actors, things like that. There's a whole bunch of stuff that they do. But they are also expanding into podcasts, and what's interesting is they are not just grabbing entire podcast feeds and scooping them in. They want to keep it very topical. So we actually had to submit a selection of episodes to them that they wanted to post. So... If you know people who use Pray.com, tell them to go look for us there. If you already use Pray.com, look at some of these other podcasts that are out there. It's a little tough to find us in the app, but we are in there among all the other uh, productions, and there are other podcasts that I think you may find interesting, so give them a listen. If you're using Pray.com, or if you know people who do, you know maybe your church takes advantage of it, you know. Let them know that, hey, there's this cool podcast called Saving the Game, and it's there, and you should you should listen to it. So it'll, it'll be good for us, and hopefully it'll be good for you. If you're interested in Pray.com, hit us up. We can – we don't do things like promo codes on this show. We don't like selling out for all intents and purposes. <laughs> we, just, to, just to give you an idea, we have gotten offers from folks that we like and have relationships and with – yeah, and, and trust to do sponsorships, and we've even turned those down. Yeah. yeah. but just, it feels weird. It just yeah. feels yeah. so weird. <laughs> but know that it is worth subscribing to if you do like this sort of thing. And they offered a pretty good rate to us to do that. So while we're, we don't like to take them up on that offer, we want to be clear about this. 
they're pretty generous with us and that you know, or they they offered to be, I should say, and so yeah, we're not getting makes, any money from this or anything. No, just to we're not. Be crystal clear about that. We are getting exposure. <laughs> if you like supporting the kind of service that you know gives good devotionals, has a lot of these sort of resources, you could do a lot worse. Let's say that. You yeah. know, they seem like really good people to work with. Mm-hmm. And you may be hearing some more crossovers actually as a result of that, because there's a whole community of the people who make podcasts that are featured there which now includes us, which is very exciting, all kind of working and talking a little bit, saying, hey, who wants to do crossovers? So we may have some of that coming up. Who knows? I have a little bit of news for that project that I'm involved with that I mentioned last episode or maybe the one before. They have so far released, well, by the time this episode drops, they will have released two playtest documents. As of this recording, there's only one, but the next one is literally releasing tomorrow morning. Um, So they've got kind of their new heritage, culture, and background, so kind of like the origins of a character, that's out. And then tomorrow, as we record this again, the first 10 levels of one of the classes will be dropping. So... Check that stuff out. Uh, I get to see it a little bit early because I'm part of the general design team for that. It's looking really interesting. <laughs> Highly flavorful. Lots of kind of customization and stuff in there. So Very cool. I'm excited yeah. to see the final product. Yeah. Or, whatever, yeah. or any play tests you run. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We also had another session of City on the Hill, and I thought it went very well. Oh, so. boy, was that fun. I'm I'm not going to spoil this at all, but Ben had probably the cleverest single action that I've seen in both of the seasons of City on a Hill that I've been in so far. Oh, and I got to use my voice changer and it was really fun. Yeah, that was that was great too. <laughs> yeah. So look forward to that when it drops, you know. It, it's going to drop well after this episode. But yeah. hey, it's fun. Also, my eight-year-old daughter has been listening to season two in the car, and she really likes all three of our characters. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> we've got a Patreon topic to roll for. We've got some scripture to read. And then we've got a haunted house to come up with. Yep. So let's do this thing, shall we? Indeed. Oh, this is from someone we haven't heard from in a while, uh, just due to luck of the dice, Aaron Arnold. Oh, hey, Aaron. What's your view on how today's culture affects the way you game with strangers, if at all? Which culture? Yeah, I, I mean, can, I can today's this one. culture is a very broad <laughs> euphemism, probably yeah. for a thing that makes me uncomfortable, which is fair because we're always sort of adapting to things, and, it, and that's that's fine. I would say the one change is that I try and do a little more research in what I play, which is not necessarily to play with strangers, right? And I try and I make sure that I am making space for people at the table explicitly rather than just sort of hoping that they'll figure out that the table is a good, safe place for them, if that makes any sense. What are your preferred pronouns? Do you have anything that we need to know about going into the game? You know, we try and use safety mechanics to make, you know, and say up front, mm-hmm. hey, this is a game where we use safety mechanics uh, so that, you know, everybody feels comfortable about it. And I try and explain how I run games beforehand, things like that. I'd say that's maybe all I do. And, I, you know, none of these are bad, but it kind of points to a general idea of making sure that, Everybody understands what the table is about. Yeah. 
I do it by using a very loose definition of stranger. <laughs> um, mostly, like, I will select the groups that I play with through some kind of personal connection. Like, for instance, pretty much the only gaming convention that I go to is Fear the Con, and <laughs> that doesn't happen this year because of the pandemic, but I may not know everybody at Fear the Con, but I know the culture of the Fear the Boot community and how that tends to be, and I usually know at least one or two of the other people sitting around the table. As far as, like, forming my Sunday game that uh, Aaron was actually in for a while before life took over, I recruited from our Discord server. I got Brian from Geek at Arms through the uh, MinMax Slack, but I, I went with groups of people that maybe I hadn't gamed with before, but I'd at least had contact with before. So that kind of level of existing quasi-comfort and stuff is kind of important to me. I'm kind of privileged in that I have enough connections where I don't really need to sit down at a table where I don't know anybody at all and meet them over a game. And that's probably good in some ways and bad in others. But at this stage in my life, that's that's something that I have the ability to do, and it's worked out fairly well for me. So that's, that's how it affects me. I think for me, it, very similarly to Grant, I call it gaming with mindfulness. I'm just more aware of, and I like to be more aware of who I am gaming with to the point where hopefully by the end of the game, we aren't strangers anymore. Yeah, very, very much similarly to, to Grant. I, I prefer using safety techniques. I like to use the game to get to know people better. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I, I don't game with strangers very frequently at all either. There, there's generally at least one person at the table that I know and mutual connections throughout if I am gaming and... That makes it a lot easier, I think, for me to game with quote unquote strangers. So, so yeah, I think I think I I'm just I'm gaming more mindfully of other people's identities and and needs and what other people want out of the game as well. And I really um, like that phrase, and I'm going to steal it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I want to throw one other thing out there. I don't necessarily think that it's you you get a little less exposure to like different perspectives by gaming with people that you know but if you've got like some level of connection even just kind of what exists at fear the con mm -hmm. i i feel like you have a lower chance of sitting down at a table where you just are going to be miserable for whatever reason uh be it stylistically or because those people are jerks <laughs> and you also have a much lower chance of being the person who sits down at a table and accidentally throws a wrench into somebody else's perfectly harmless fun. Mm -hmm. That's true, too. Mm -hmm. I think when you can, gaming with people that you have at least a little bit of connection with is less risky. If you are going to go out and game with strangers, I mean, you know, more power to you. The gaming community grows that way. That's, you know, that's wonderful. You can look at that in a somewhat missional way uh, in some contexts. Although... I, I would say uh, if you're gaming with a bunch of people whose kind of worldviews you don't know, stick with the old um, preach the gospel at all times and only when necessary use words for at least a while. Because if you come across as somebody who is only there at the table to do like a bait and switch evangelism, that's probably not going to go very well with most groups. Yeah, I had a bad experience with that actually with unrelated, get, not related to gaming. Had a had a bad experience with that where it's like, oh, you're Presbyterian, but... Don't you know that's wrong? 
I was like, ah, we're, we're doing this? Okay. Yeah, I had an experience like that at the media fair that I did last fall, too, and it's... Mm. <sighs> yeah. The I can, deepest I can of quote size. Paul, I can quote C.S. Lewis, I can quote John Wesley. Don't do that to people, especially other believers. We're There's more we have in common than we have different in a lot of cases, so... Mm-hmm. Aaron, that's a really good question. Thank it you is. for asking it. I'm kind of sorry it took us this long to get to it. It's I keep seeing it on the list and the dice have just <laughs> never favored you. And I apologize. Yeah, that's I mean, that's like in the realm of like a, you know, Doug Hagler question. Oh, that's yeah, a absolutely. really solid one. It's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. So thank you for sending that in. And of course, if anyone else listening wants to send their questions in, all you got to do is back us on Patreon for a dollar a month. It's no big deal. It's easy. And of course, there are other rewards at other tiers. But you know, if you want to help support us, keep us on the show uh, on the air. That's how you do it. For the record, sharing us on other bits of social media—Facebook, Twitter, anything like that—telling friends about it. Those are also a great way to help us, especially when money is tight as it is for a lot of us this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got some scripture to read, and then mm-hmm. we've got a house to build. Leviticus chapter twenty-six, verses twenty-seven through thirty-five. If, in spite of this, you still do not listen to me, but continue to be hostile toward me, then in my anger I will be hostile toward you, and I myself will punish you for your sins seven times over. You will eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places, cut down your incense altars, and pile your dead bodies on the lifeless forms of your idols, and I will abhor you. I will turn your cities into ruins, and lay waste your sanctuaries, and I will take no delight in the pleasing aroma of your offerings." I myself will lay waste the land so that your enemies who live there will be appalled. I will scatter you among the nations and will draw out my sword and pursue you. Your land will be laid waste and your cities will lie in ruins. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbath years all the time that it lies desolate and you are in the country of your enemies. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the time that it lies desolate, the land will have the rest it did not have during the Sabbaths you lived in it. And this is Isaiah 13 verses 19 through 22. Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, the pride and glory of the Babylonians, will be overthrown by God like Sodom and Gomorrah. She will never be inhabited or lived in through all generations. There no nomads will pitch their tents. There no shepherds will rest their flocks. But desert creatures will lie there. Jackals will fill her houses. There the owls will dwell, and there the wild goats will leap about." Hyenas will inhabit her strongholds, jackals her luxurious places. Her time is at hand, and her days will not be prolonged. John, chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we also have uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And if you're wondering why the specific scripture, <laughs> those, yeah, those first two passages sound like something that would leave a place feeling haunted. <laughs> Indeed. And the last two, well, we'll get to those in a second. So we're talking about haunted houses tonight, and we're going to do it a little differently because I think we all remember our ghosts episode. It was only a couple episodes ago. It's cool. We all got this, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm? But of course, we talked about hauntings and what is more iconic than a haunted house? house, especially when you get into the role of suburbia in the American consciousness and how that it plays into film and blah, blah, blah. There's a whole discussion that could be had there, but we're not quite going to do that just yet. 
stack of pre-existing tropes, y'all. <laughs> exactly. And, and pre-existing pressures on society that are expressed through horror stories. <laughs> but when we were bouncing around this idea, of course, you know, when we said haunted house, all of our brains started working one direction. And then Peter suggested, well, hold on, let's not do something quite so obvious. Let's do something real modern, like a space station. And then I was like, oh, I'm not feeling that, but I do kind of appreciate what Peter's saying. What mm -hmm. about a more modern house that's haunted, like a McMansion? Because McMansions are awful places anyway. They naturally oh, yeah. sort of come with built-in spiritual malaise. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, we're going to have some fun with this one. <laughs> also some architectural malaise. Oh. <laughs> All right, no, but seriously. Oh, they come with more than some architectural malaise. They yeah. are basically the manifestation of architectural malaise. So for those who don't know, McMansion is kind of a term, you may also have seen the term millennial mansion, in, but possibly not unless you read a lot of architecture books. We're talking about the idea, the really more modern slap together ugly house uh, well ugly, ugly modern house house this is yeah. one of those things for people as they say people with more money than sense or certainly or more money than want, taste or people who want to look like they have money but yes. don't have the sense to actually build a house that works as a house <laughs> quick note the, the way that when we talk about mcmansions we are talking about houses that are very large Generally, they are built very cheaply because they're often even just built on spec. They're not even built in consultation with the homeowner. Somebody builds it and then hopes to sell it. And they also tend to not have much in the way of architectural design. They are impressive in the sense of being a big blobby mass of house or lots of masses of house, uh, but they are generally not well put together. If you want a really good explanation of the McMansion phenomenon and all of their features, why they are architecturally bad, I strongly recommend reading McMansionHell.com. Just hit the menu, click McMansion 101. There's a wonderful layout of why, you know, all the architectural sins, but also the breakdown of all of them is just incredibly funny. Kate McAllister is an amazing author. She did a TED Talk. It's it's a great TED Talk. She did. She's done articles. I know she's pu uh, published articles in Curbed. She did one in the Wall Street Journal. She's she's very, very good. Also really fun to follow on Twitter. I really recommend McMansion Hell. It's a really good site. Just just to give you an extra little push to go check out this delightful website. And just to be clear, is this internal or external? External. Okay. So. This is an external shot of, of a house. So up in the sky, there's text that says, do not be fooled by this house's anodyne exterior. A beast looks within. And then uh, an arrow pointing to the roof. Fun fact, Pizza Hut roof is actually called a Dutch gable. Over on the, the right, there's a large tree of some kind that says, ultimate gardening goal achieved. Tree that looks like a bush. <laughs> and then on the driveway, it says, tautological driveway. And then... <laughs> They're kind of right below the entryway of the house. I can't explain it, but this house has bad posture. <laughs> the, yeah. the entire website is full of that kind of snarky commentary. Yes. Snarky yeah. commentary and good architectural sense. The, the reason I wanted to use a McMansion is because they really didn't start getting built in, in their very, very earliest forms until the 1970s. Didn't really come into their own in the 80s, but they're still being built today. And so you have these very large spec homes, badly built, 
by people who have either gone into debt to afford a house that they just really cannot afford or are purchased by somebody with who has suddenly come into a lot of money and hey doesn't that often mean say somebody who's gone up in the world and maybe there's you know some karmic reason for something that they did wrong or I've come up in the world, oh, no, I am accursed by this house that for some reason is haunted and, you know, I have to fight through the injustice of it. And also, a lot of them have some home automation, which is a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's a, another interesting little thing you can throw in there. There's just all sorts of cool things you can use a McMansion to tell a haunted house story in that doesn't feel like this is a house that's been here a hundred years like every other haunted house. Let's let's talk about very, very quickly. When we say a haunted house, what are the things that come to mind? Poltergeists? Poltergeists. A lot of the time, like yeah. like throwing furniture and, and or stacking it funnily. Things opening and closing. Yeah, like the gitchy feeling. So something isn't right. Let me get a little broader. For me, when I hear haunted house, what comes to mind for me is the house as hostile environment. Sometimes that can be the house itself is a conscious character in the story that is expressing itself or something you're on enemy ground, as it were, and there is something here that is using the house against you or against the characters, the main characters or protagonists. So that's sort of the, the characterization of a house that we need to think about. What makes this house hostile to the people in it? Now, here's the, the first question for you. Is the house abandoned or not? If we're going to make one up. I'm going to say yes. I, I here's here's the thing. I don't know. Hmm. I, I like the idea of a house that has sort of always been a little cursed and the more owners it has has had in the past the more cursed it gets and the more powerful mm. the beings inside become that's interesting so i i think it would be almost more interesting for this house to have like always had an owner at like like it's never been unowned for more than like a month but it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse it and keeps worse. going back on the market okay so I have I have a suggestion for either the first or the last owner, as you guys find most interesting. But I gotta share this one. These these houses often belong to people who come into money very suddenly, right? Oh, uh, they certainly can. Often, often. <laughs> let's let's not get too into the weeds. Who comes into money faster than a newly minted mob lawyer? Oh, that does play into the lawyer foyer. Yes, yes, that is where I was going. This little, I, I do like that. Foyer. This this owner was a mob attorney um, who had gotten like his first big successful defense of a mob boss, right? And moved out of his merely expensive apartment in the city where whichever you know, organized crime syndicate he's defending is out to like a bedroom community and bought this ostentatious, ridiculous house. Mm-hmm. And then, because the house was poorly architecturally designed and built very cheaply, the carbon monoxide poisoning got him before the FBI could. About a week before the investigation closed in on him. That could certainly work as one of the intermediate ones. Like, I like that idea, because that, again, you have the whole house as hostile thing. That tells me it's already haunted at that point. 
Okay, so let's make that the most recent owner then. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay, yeah. Because that, that also, because it's a mob lawyer who was never brought to justice, that's a great hook to bring player characters in mm-hmm. in any sort, in any sort of investigative thinking. game. Right. Oh, yeah. We're following up on this uh, this lawyer who had dirty connections and died mysteriously. Right. Maybe you're doing a haunted house style game. Maybe you're doing a mostly criminal investigation investigation game with some supernatural elements, you know, whatever. I was thinking this would fit really well with a bunch of kind of the spookier gumshoe games. This would work good with like, you know, fear itself or something like that, you know. Yeah, whatever the game is, it can fit into that, which is nice. Yeah. I like that. I'm I'm wondering if right right off the bat we should sort of set an age range for who we want to be playing in this house. Because my initial thought was sort of like kids with bikes or or uh Tales from the Loop kind of thing. I think that's one of those things where we could say, "Hey, here's an alternative." Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking adult investigators, almost like Call of Cthulhu style. Yeah, characters. I don't know that I want to go quite as dreary as Call of Cthulhu for like what's going on in no, the house. No, I'm, I'm just talking about like the yeah. general age range and type of PCs. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I don't, <laughs> you know me, I'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. big into super brief, I but. Um, <laughs> I, I do agree though, Jenny, if you just kind of change the tone of what's going on. Yeah. You could use the same house for kids on bikes and have the whole, you know, kids exploring a house that's they, maybe they've never been in anything this expensive. You know, th- these huge vaulted ceilings and is this ba- does this bathroom have carpet? Who does that? Right. <laughs> Nobody's sane. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. You, you could easily ha- change the tone and have kids in this big, crazy house. OK, so can I suggest something else about the house itself? Mm hmm. The house was originally built in 1974. Okay, so that goes pretty early. Can I counter-suggest the early 80s? Because that okay. A, that was a weird time. B, it's really the boom of that sort of late-stage capitalist, greed-is-good mentality. Okay, so let's say like 83 then? Yeah, 82, 83. Yeah. I don't think we have to say specifically, but early 80s. 83 is a good compromise if we need a number for some reason. The fun fact about 1983, though, that is, I believe, the year that I couldn't have been an IBM. Maybe my information on this was wrong when I was looking this up, but there was some extraordinarily early home automation. The prototype was built in 1983 for this. This was the Butler in a Box, 1983. IBM ended up producing this. You basically had wireless devices that could do voice recognition in a house and then using electromagnetic relays, control light switches, turn on certain appliances, that kind of thing. Fun fact, by the way, and hey, here's a wonderful uh, factoid. It was designed, the prototype was built by computer programmer Franz Kavan and professional magician Gus Searcy. <gasps> Oh, what? that's, that's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> fun fact right there. Also, fun fact, my father-in-law actually is one of the few people left in the United States who works on home automation tech this old that was built into some of these houses. He travels all <laughs> over and does home automation for huge houses. We have a signed DVD of a fish concert uh, because he did one of the guys uh, in fish. He did his house and all the home automation hmm. in it. 
Uh, it's very cool. I've actually helped him on some stuff for like corporate conference rooms and that sort of thing. It's fascinating stuff. <laughs> More modern okay. tech, obviously. So did you guys ever see that movie Hostage? It was a, a Bruce Willis movie a while ago. No, I, I missed that no. one, actually. Violent and gory. I wouldn't particularly recommend it to either one of you, but it, the the ho- part of the premise of that movie is that the house was like a fortress. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. alarms went off and like these... You know how bank vaults have like these solid rods that go straight through the door? Oh, like sort of yeah. the, the safe room style thing yeah. for a whole house. Yeah, like the whole house had stuff like that. Like in some cases, like multiple interlocking rods and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe the the mobbed up guy, like not the whole house, because that, that would just be silly, but like had a wing of the house that was all like panic roomed out like that yeah yeah panic room that's what I'm yeah, thinking. yeah 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 panic room yeah okay that could be interesting or even there is just a panic room that's a secret so here's another thing for a panic room you know how sometimes they have like a secret escape passage uh i didn't but now i do okay it it, it has a secret escape passage that goes under the house but again, because of the house's shoddy construction, it is full of black mold. And if you open that thing up, you will get all kinds of dangerous black mold spores in the house. So here's here's the thing that I think would be interesting. What if the panic room, you couldn't get out? Like, what if the design was so faulty, it was just basically you once you're in it doesn't unlock that certainly works Here, here's the thing and then I'm, you have to go through the black mold to have some prayer of getting out let's yeah let's jump back a little bit because a lot of this sounds like terrible things that can happen to people in this house and things that have happened to people in this house that maybe cause it to be more haunted let's maybe jump back a little bit what's the inciting incident why is this house haunted and what does that tell us And I know this may seem weird because if we were telling a story, this would be the last thing revealed, right? Right. Or this would be a big reveal is here's the secret behind the house. But when you're setting this up in a game, you got to know where this is coming from and thus (gasps) what's happening and why. The architect. I think the architect is making people into ghosts on purpose. Arcane geometry and arcane architecture? Yes. Interesting. A classic, but I love it. Okay, I'll, I'll see you that and okay. take that and raise you this. The mm-hmm. architect did this to punish the original person who purchased the house, who mm. was like a scummy 80s real estate developer who wound up falling victim to the curse and overdosing on drugs like so many wealthy people in the 80s did. And there's your first haunting. Okay. Maybe not drugs, because I like the idea that it it's the house, right? The house actively is involved in each incident of haunting. Yeah, and uh, yeah. what I what I think is maybe the house like takes whatever the person's vice is and magnifies it. Ooh. So the the mm. first person was a hedonist, so he was doing a lot of drugs and stuff. The last guy was paranoid, so he mm. sealed things in and succumbed to carbon monoxide poisoning because the house was no longer vented well enough. Maybe, I don't know about the last guy being paranoid, but maybe just the idea of, you know, sleeping comfortably, you know, sleeping too comfortably, right? He's convinced Mm. he's safe. It's a little more, right? But I like the paranoid guy as the guy who ends up in the the escape room. Yeah, and like starves or something in there, maybe? Yeah, he just couldn't get out, suffocates, starves, some some horrible, gruesome 
death, that kind of thing. Okay, so he's like the second or third owner, maybe? Yeah, somewhere in there. And I don't know that we have to come up mm-hmm. with every single one. But as long as we have, like, a chain of them that people could then add into if they needed to. Yeah. Oh, right? oh, oh I, I've, got a, I've got another idea. Um, Because, like, you know how if you've even had, like, one death in a, a house, the, the value drops, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a scummy real estate agent that's working with the architect that uses like the fact that so many people have died in this house um, as ways of saying, oh, it's such a great deal. You know, it, it knocks the value down. But it's like, you know, these people died of like vices. You don't have those. Vices. You're not a drug addict. You're not, you know, <laughs> doing this or that. You'll be fine. You know, <gasps> variety. Does he need to work with the architect? doesn't have to but you know maybe the architect is out of the picture but like that's that's how these people keep getting into it is there's a certain amount of hubris to just buy this house in the first place yeah i like that what if the architect and the real estate agent were like a married couple oh that would be great that's an interesting wife and the architect is the husband or vice versa yeah interesting I don't know. I like the idea of the realist of the the real estate agent just being that scummy person who's just trying to make a buck and doesn't care. Yeah. But yeah. there is a lot of room for there's this complicated and again, this is maybe one of those those variations. Maybe they do know each other, maybe they're husband and wife, and they're pulling some much more sinister thing together as opposed to mm-hmm. someone just taking advantage of it and it's the original thing with the architect is sort of off stage at this point. The house is what it is now and you have to deal yeah. with it as opposed to oh, the oh, architect oh. and the real estate agent are Maybe the together. real estate agent is a descendant of the architect. Maybe. I don't know. That's always Maybe. a good option that's for the a, investigator. That's another variant too. It's, a good, you know? it's yeah. a good variation. There's also, you know, the investigator is the person who's a descendant of the architect. Yeah. Right? That's always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, can I throw out a tangent here sure we're not going to go this route but one of the thoughts i had was a house that was actually not haunted by ghosts but rather had been home to a large number of mischievous and unpleasant fae so you have things like you have things like red caps make you know killing in the house and you Mm -hmm. get a lot of the haunted house effects but for different reasons and traditional ghost stuff doesn't always work because certain things that drive off ghosts just don't work on the Fae and certain weird things work on the Fae, but not ghosts. So I don't want to I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But since we've gone there and this is this is relevant to our listeners, this is a, a gaming related thing. Go look up. Just just Google the phrase John Wick Faye. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that you, you seeing that immediately reminded me of that. It will totally change the way that you re- watch the John Wick movies. Go Google that. We have to move on for this, but I have to put that in there. I like the arcane architecture thing. Is there? So is the house just murderous and trying to get more and more haunted, or is it trying to accomplish some purpose? I think the house is a tool through which the architect is attempting to amass some sort of power for some arcane or uh, satanic reason. Possibly, you know, powering something, you know, below the basement, something along those lines. Possible additional variant? The architect might see themselves as somebody who is seeing justice done through this horrible mystical weapon of a house. 
Okay. Because if you're if you're if you're a perfectly decent person, this house won't harm you in any way. I actually like that a lot better. The ghosts that are in it now might, but the house itself won't. You know. <laughs> right, but of course that does play into the whole you know we're all sinners kind of thing. Right. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And you know it's, there's this crazy person who's demanding a literal perfection literal yeah. you know mm-hmm. humanly impossible level of perfection in order to live safely in this house and you sort of have to come to terms with that and in a way and that kind of opens up a spiritual angle to this where you can you know clearly say look this is you can have a sort of debate between we demand this absolute perfection versus we have to look for that elsewhere because we can't do it ourselves we're starting to get a little Frank Peretti-esque with this. I'm, I'm kind of liking this thread here. <laughs> I should read some Frank Peretti. Read The Visitation. You'd like that one, I think. Remind me about that after this. I like the idea. Um, I do want to bring some of the smart house elements into this because, A, they're one of those cool things where you can say, well, this was added later because a lot of the stuff was added later. It was not added during construction. Fun fact, a lot of them do the whole um, power or like, uh, you know, the, the internet over power kind of thing. Where, where it uses the electrical system to send signals. Power line networking. Power that's line what networking, that's called. yeah. It's it's much earlier versions of that, not even necessarily that's that idea, but it uses the wiring to send signals rather than having to run yet more cables through the house. Nowadays, a lot of it is either wireless or there's just network drops that it's all plugged into. Relevant to this, if you want to if you want to make this extra confusing for your characters and, you know, like increase the difficulty of some technical skill roles or something, there is power line networking, which uses power lines to send data signals through. Right. There is also power over Ethernet, which is in the other direction. It sends power over data cables to power. It's used for like uh, Wi-Fi hotspots and stuff a lot. Very small devices. Yeah. So get this. You could have both in this house. You could you could have like this older smart home stuff in there and then modern like more, you know, Internet and networking and stuff in there. So you've got a mix of power line networking and power over Ethernet. And if you try and if even if you know what you're talking about, if you try and explain this to a tech support person over the phone, things will only get more confused. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I do like the idea of that being a a a a tool of the house but also a red herring because yeah. we yeah. all know the, you know, the, the house full of technology that's become sentient and all the tech goes wrong. I mean, Disney yeah, I did mean, it, Scooby did it, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, evil AI things are, eh, we're not doing that though, but it's a wonderful red herring. Yeah. yeah. And you know, when the blender accidentally comes on, that's going to be, that's going to creep people out. Okay. So, so let's, let's follow that red herring. Let's, we've got, we've got three residents so far, right? Mm-hmm. So far. How about for the second to last one, and maybe let's keep it at four, we had, like, an eccentric tech person. I'm thinking, oh, what was the guy's name that got in all the trouble back in the 90s and then became a security consultant? His last name starts with an M. I have no idea. This is more your your theater. Oh, what is that guy's name? Don't worry about it. There's a guy who liked that. Yeah, I Kevin, get that. Kevin uh, Mitnick. Kevin Mitnick. That's his name. Okay, so so a guy like that who who like uh, originally went away for like all kinds of hacking and stuff, and then got out and became a security consultant and was secretly working on an AI project when he died in the house. Hmm. Okay. So as it turns out, he was not successful. So there's not an evil AI in here. But between the ghosts 
and like all of the smart home stuff and the newer tech, the player character should absolutely think there is for like three sessions. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> the other thing that I would throw in there, and this is just a detail, a lot of the equipment is at this point, just because of time, it's just old and unsupported. Nobody has any idea how it works. A lot of this stuff, uh, the old stuff in particular, we're not talking, you know, transistors and circuit boards. We're talking literal, like, electromagnetic relays that you can actually hear, you know, chunk. You can hear them click loudly. And that's always fun. They spark, you know, impressively if they're done really wrong. Just that thudding noise is surprisingly yeah. loud in a quiet Loud, clicking noises too. that are instead of, you know, just a, a little switch cutting off. But you could also have a lot of, like, experimental things from failed startups. <laughs> yeah. What is this? Uh, this was something that was around for maybe 30 days during the 90s and the first internet boom, and then it all died, right? <laughs> or even a year and a half, but it was a year and a half in 1994, and the manuals are long gone. That's, again, just a detail. I don't want to necessarily chase it down too much, but it's one of those fun things you could throw in. We've got a rough idea that the house is being a place to punish people. We have a rough idea of what might bring someone in most recently. And really, you could have a tie to any of these people. We have a rough idea of who created it. Let's start adding some features, like like physical features to the house. It must have a tower. It must have a tower. There has to be a tower in this house. Okay. Are we talking about like a tower in the main roof mass, or are we talking about one of the horrible Pringles cans stuck horrible on the front? Horrible Pringles can has unnecessary parapets. This is suburbia. Ooh, okay, you don't need I a like parapet. this. <laughs> Obviously, it's where the spiral staircase is going up to the second yes. floor, maybe the third floor if it's a three floor. The spiral staircase was a modular design and put together improperly, so like every X number of steps, there's just like this really big or really small step that shouldn't be there. So running up or down this thing it makes is especially susceptible to tripping. Maybe. I mean, that feels like one of those things that I would maybe say is not present initially. Missing stairs are always a, a or a faulty stair is a great way to have somebody be endangered. Maybe the, the tech nerd security consultant guy died when the stairs collapsed under him and then they were shoddily repaired before the house was sold again. That could work. I like the idea of bad repairs, certainly. Because, again, we're kind of creating a, a history of this place, which is interesting. Okay, so we've, we've got to have the, the lawyer foyer with the styrofoam-filled concrete pillars. Yes, obviously. That, that is required. I, I will hear no argument on this oh, point. Oh, no, because where else are you going to have the dangerous chandelier? Exactly. Exactly. It's like you read my mind. And not just like it can fall on you. Oh, no. This thing is wired very poorly. That thing can arc all the way to the floor. If the well, ghosts get I, I like it's, it's obviously going to fall at some point. I mean, you, yeah. you give me a haunted house with a chandelier. We all know what's happening. Yeah, it's Chekhov's chandelier at that point. <laughs> <laughs> the kitchen. Just horrible marble countertops that have not been ma properly maintained and are, like, stained with the remnants of a thousand poorly prepared luxury meals. Sure, sure. But, I mean, that's a given. I'm, te I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Yeah, okay, so you've got this, and it's like, you know, they've got all these weird, suspicious-looking stains on them, and people are like, oh, man, this is probably blood. No, it's red cabbage. Nah. Somebody well, I mean, just some of it left might it be sitting steak. there, and it never got out, you know? Yeah, some of it might be steak. Yeah. 
But it's not, none of it's human blood, you know? It's, nobody was murdered on this countertop. Dismemberment happening in here. No, of course not. Many cabinet doors to open and close. Oh, and those ridiculous, like, luxury cabinet things where it, like, folds out in weird ways and stuff. Sure. I mean, these are, I'm thinking less in terms of, like, the decor, which you can just get pictures of and put up for, for players. I'm thinking more of interactive things that are interesting. I like the stains. I think that's cool. So a lot of the time, like, those those things that fold out are not super space efficient. And there's a lot of space, like, back behind those. So maybe there's, like, some evidence stuck back there, or the paranoid guy had, like, guns and money stuffed back there, or, you know, those are those are a good hiding place for, like, adventure stuff. No, that's that's an excellent point. That's also a good place for a kid to hide. Yes. I may or may not be speaking from experience here. I was very good at hide-and-seek as a child. Excellent. (laughs) Um. (laughs) One thing I will say, gas range. Yeah. Yes. Yes! Always good explosion potential with a gas range. Not even necessarily explosion, just, you know, open just, flame for when yeah. you need it or when some, you know, when the house needs it. It's it's just, or, you know, you turn it on and run at the, at the denouement. Yeah. <laughs> I think there needs to be a smell, a smell element, a smellament, if you will. Can it be different in different places? Here's a thing that I heard, and I'm sorry to anybody who wanted to go to this LARP, but fortunately, I don't remember the name of it. But I am aware of a haunted house LARP in southern Ontario where it's so subtle that people don't know until they go behind the scenes and it's explained later, but they actually pump different smells into different rooms at different times. You just get a whiff of something different. It's like, oh, this room is different somehow. But the lighting hasn't changed. None of the pictures have shifted and nothing's different, but something is off about this room. A faint whiff of something fleshy and rotting or or like like you left a turnip in the back of the fridge for, you know, years or something like that. Um, I think that could be an interest. The, the kitchen is full of potential smells. I also would say there's a chest freezer in the basement which is full of just utterly like frost encased mystery meat that you know once again could be a good like sinister red herring it's like oh man were there cannibals operating here no it's a ham from christmas 13 <laughs> years ago it's just been accumulating layers of frost don't eat it it's freeze dried by now one thing i'm going to suggest a lot of these have unnecessarily large garages Yes. That's another element that I would take advantage of because A, you have tools, B, you Mm -hmm. have cars, C, you have garage doors that can act up, you have mysterious lights. This is where people will put like a workbench, right? Uh Uh-huh. Take advantage of that. That's A, a great resource for when you need to knock down a wall or defend yourself, you know, with a hammer, anything like that. But also it's a good place to have something creepy happen when you're exploring. If you need to put gear into your player character's hands, like rich people tend to buy like the highest quality tools, even when they don't need them. So it's all full of stuff with like, you know, that was made by like Milwaukee and DeWalt and Makita. And if there's a chainsaw, it'll be a steel, you know, it's just like everything is just absolutely top of the line, probably has only been used twice. You know, you bought this brand new like Milwaukee drill and you mounted a light switch cover with it, especially landscaping tools. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
something to, to take advantage of as an element for good and ill. I will also point out one of the big factors in these is going to be light. And this is this is a more general note. These so one of the, the defining features of a McMansion is that it's got weird mismatched windows and in weird places. Mm-hmm. And yep. sometimes the windows are just fake. Like there's actual just like fake window stickers people put on the wall. <laughs> because the contractor decided a real window was too expensive, but they needed something to sort of line up. That's one of those things where you can play around with light and like, there's just not enough light in here. There's too much light. It's real weird. The sun's really bright coming through here. It's, this room is hot. This room is cold. Play around with that. And that's a environmental detail you can take advantage of to set certain amounts of dread. When the lights go out, hey, this room's just too dark. I've got another one from my uh, my old professional experience at Barnes & Noble, actually. We had these horrible light fixtures in the cafe that had these tiny, tiny little halogen bulbs in them that were like $8 a bulb. So, so you would find those in there, but you know what the really horrible thing about those was? If you tried to change them when the power was on, which you basically had to do when the store was open, they heated up so fast that as soon as they like made an electrical connection, but before they were screwed in, they were flesh burningly hot. You had to like get a whole handful of paper towels to insulate as you tried to put this bulb in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those things are awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that you would very much use in certain uh, kitchen lighting, track lighting. Mm-hmm. Breakfast nooks, you know. Yep. The, oh, the other thing about windows. Great thing for people to fall out of, especially large, unnecessarily large plate glass windows on the second and third floor. Ooh, balconies, unnecessary balconies. Ah, too. yes. Yes, yeah. And, and if they're poorly made, then you can just fall right through them. You can. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, what if there's a clue out on the balcony, but you can't figure out how to get to it? Yes. Oh, because it's one of the ones that doesn't actually have doors going to it. It's a false right. balcony and the windows don't open. And <laughs> Yeah, like, OK, something happened out there. How did they get out there? Was it like, hey, this kid climbs out there and shimmies along the the weird bit of roof that divides the first and second floor and climbs onto there? And that's the, the kid always hung out there when they lived here, right? And, that, and they've yeah, got... Yeah, and they left something behind. Yeah, you know, anything like that or something more sinister and anything along those lines. But how do they get out there? That is something you can turn into a little bit of a, I'm going to say an encounter, right? The idea of like, all right, this is a challenge figure it out. The other thing is the roof line. Another thing about McMansions is they tend to have enormous roofs, like unnecessarily huge roofs. Could power the whole dang neighborhood if you put solar panels up there. Right. And let me tell you, just getting the shingles changed out in 30 years will bankrupt you. But I mention this because that means there are rooms up there. Sometimes those rooms are finished. They might even have like one little dormer window. And of course, you know, the strange attic room is where you're going to have creepy stuff happen, obviously. But that also means there could be a whole bunch of unused attic space that you can stand up and walk walk around in. I want to throw something else in here real quick because Jenny brought up the solar panels. They make solar shingles. And this sounds like the, the kind of house that would have some of those installed. Especially with the tech dude. They could. Yeah. They could. Yeah. I like that idea. Or or actually, why don't they just have old solar panels? 
yeah, like first gen ones or something from kind of like the late nineties when yeah. they were really becoming a thing. And although you know some of those that wasn't um, that wasn't a roof feature. That was like a dish that opened up in your backyard. Well, yeah, they had some of those, but you know you could have you know some solar panels uh, and maybe a couple of skylights as well. Sure. Right. Because then you have roof access. And then that's something else that you can maybe see something kind of out of. Maybe there's something like on a chimney or something that you want to investigate visible out oh, the skylight. Useless, useless chimneys. Useless oh, yeah. Chimneys, chimneys that go nowhere. <laughs> connected to absolutely nothing. <laughs> that hide secrets in a house like this. Yep. That's a secret stairwell entrance or anything along those lines. Here's here's a McMansion-y thing for you. The chimney doesn't actually connect to a fireplace or anything, but in order to make it look more authentic, there's a smoke machine under it. <laughs> I like that. I kind of like that idea. Because, like, McMansions are all about pretense. They really are. And yeah. That's smart. And yeah, maybe playing up that pretense idea. We haven't even talked about the swimming pool that this place definitely has. Well, okay, there's a reason for that. The backyard is always a travesty. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, okay, fun fact about a lot of these McMansions, they tend to have very poorly designed back sides because that's not the side facing the road. That's not the side you want to impress people with, right? And you can cut a lot of corners back there. It's usually just like a flat wall of cheap vinyl siding or hardy board or something like that. Yeah, you can absolutely have a pool. It's probably run down. Yep. Covered in algae. The liner is torn. The pumps maybe intermittently working. That no, kind of no, thing. No, 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 no. I'm thinking an in-ground pool, like one of those ones that's like solid sided and everything. Those still need pumps. Right. But they won't have like the same kind of liner that you'll see in like those ones that you get in like kind of upper middle class backyards. This will be like concrete. No, no. Those still have to be lined. Mm, Okay. As somebody who has uh, helped remove the liner from my mother-in-law's in-ground pool. I mean, I've I've seen like pools that are just lined with tile and stuff. I mean, that's more what I'm thinking. I think when we're talking about the liner will tear and sag. And again, that's something you could be trapped in. Something could live in, you know, behind there. I I love the idea of something moving around underneath the walls of the pool in the loose liner. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's creepy. Mm -hmm. I'm also thinking it's got to have lights. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. That like change color and stuff. Yeah, but only like a third of them still work. Well, no, I like the idea of all of them working and having like the, the rave lighting. Okay. And then all of a sudden it turns all red for no yeah, reason. Yeah, LED like, party lighting. Yeah. You you definitely set it to strobe. Oh, you definitely yeah. set it to strobe and you know that you did, but it's just red. It's just blood or it was red. strobing and then turned red. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Th- those are really good. There might or might not be a deck. Under the deck there's is a good place for things to... Wildlife. <laughs> wildlife, but, but also it's where animals go to die. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also a place where bodies get hidden. It is. But even even then, I think just like, oh, this is where some stray dog went to hide because it was sick and passed away or the family dog or something like that. When I was very little, that's where our family dog uh, decided to, to go to die because mm. that sometimes happens. That's also where we store our like a lot of lawn equipment mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Um, so that's another place for, for equipment to be, like a lawnmower and stuff And like then that. you have questions of height. Is this a deck that's tall enough for somebody to easily get under? Or do they have to crawl around on their belly? 
Is this thing built off the side of a hill where if you fall off the deck, you could be seriously injured or killed? Um, these are just fun ideas. Diving board leading off this deck into the terrible pool because that's the thing that would happen? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, that reminds me. A note on balconies. We were talking about uh, being built cheap. That often means doing the bare minimum to pass code. I have seen pictures of McMansions with cheap wire cable as the balcony rail, which is just enough to be safe and obviously looks awful. So the idea of balconies being unsafe is not just, oh, this is structurally unsound. It's, it's just barely passing code when it was first built. Maybe some of that is still there. It gets to that idea of pretension. Oh, yeah, it's a it's a balcony that they couldn't be bothered to put an actual railing in or it's left unpainted or the quoits on the, the side of the house are literally factory color. They nobody even bothered to spray paint them. Right. That kind of idea to get back to some rooms, though, the bedrooms are something you probably want to focus on. Yeah. Because those, A, say a lot about the people who lived there. B, there's going to be more of them than you probably need. Some of them may have been repurposed into hobbies or other rooms. Like, again, your guy coming up with an AI yeah, may Yeah, and by have, more than you need, like think like 12 or 13. Usually not that like many. We're talking so many. six or seven, which is still uh, an enormous amount. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. but remember I mean, a lot, it depends on the specific one. It but does, yeah, but remember okay. a lot of these houses have an enormous amount of space used for uh, sitting Pointless rooms, lounge living rooms, rooms and stuff, yeah. that kind of thing, as opposed, you know, they're because they're designed for entertaining and being seen in. Yeah, this, is, this mm -hmm. is the kind of place that will have a living room, a family room, a den, a lounge, a sitting room, a reading room, and a study. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the study is one of those rooms where it's like, okay, this could have been a bedroom and somebody repurposed it. And that makes sense. It's an office. I mean, I've got a room in my house that I'm recording in that is our library mm -hmm. because we decided that this long, ungainly room <laughs> couldn't be anything else. <laughs> and we had a lot of books. You know, it's it's priorities. And that is okay. In fact, I want to be clear, that's okay in any house, right? If you If one of those things is very important to you, you buy a house that gives you room to do that thing, great. Yeah, that's that's a normal... That's one of the reasons why people buy houses. Right. So you have yeah. space exactly. to do your thing. So just to be clear, I'm not saying that, you know, having a bedroom set aside for a hobby or an interest is a bad thing. I said house. This could be an apartment, townhouse, whatever, right? You can, you can bet that if we had a large enough place, my wife would have a dedicated crafting room and we would probably have a room with a table in the middle for role-playing games. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know? This is one of those places where you want to express the character of the people who have lived here over time. Yeah. yeah. Layers of wallpaper, layers of paint. Okay, this room they've just sort of left abandoned. This room was just storage from the last owner. You know, what's in here? All of those sorts of things. So I don't necessarily have suggestions. I think that needs to be something you as GMs come up with. But give that a lot of thought because that's where you really – that's the pri most private place and that's where people will express the most about themselves. And stuff in like that's been stuffed in storage is a time-honored like source of clues for haunted house kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's also a really cool place to find like secret notes from previous residents and stuff like that because we, we spend a solid eight hours a day in that room whether or not you're – awake or asleep for that time so it's 
Yeah, it's significant. Yep. Other rooms that matter. The dining room is yes. one of those centerpieces. And this can be either really grandiose or surprisingly mundane. Kind of depends on what kind of story you want to tell. Kind of keep that in mind. Something else, just to quickly go back to the pool, because this is something, another hazard that can get there. Pool chemicals. Oh, if there's yes. something that's designed to manage those and it goes wrong, that water can become very dangerous to be in. Well, that or just the, the leftover chemicals in a shed, because I have yep. dealt with that. And it's yeah, that can also be gross. hazardous. Yeah. Or just disgusting. Yeah. Well, real gross. But I, when I say gross, also like, oh, this little shed, which is not airtight, is giving me a really bad headache. I probably shouldn't be in here. I'm basically just breathing chlorine. Yeah, and that's a place for ghosts to lock people and, you know, have to break out of. And, you know, it's... It's also a, a source for spooky smells. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like, oh, hey, the living room shouldn't smell like the pool shed, you know? <laughs> um, ventilation is actually an interesting point. I mean, we're not talking about crawling through the ventilation shafts, but weird smells, vents opening and closing. Uh, where is the air conditioner? The furnace? Okay, there's a weird smell coming from there, and maybe it makes weird noises. Somebody's going to go oh, look furnaces, at that. Furnaces are guaranteed to make weird noises after. Preaching the choir. There's there's a good chance that there is more than one furnace, more than one air conditioning unit, possibly even more than one water heater. And because of the type of place that this is in the previous residence, there might be more than one type of water heater. There's there's the old tank variety that you see, but there's also those ones where they're just like infinite. They just heat the water up in the pipes as it's moving. So you've got like this endless stream of hot water. And boy, if the house wants to, you know, like spray scalding water at you endlessly out of a faucet, it has the means to do so. Darn it. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> those old tank heaters can absolutely destoy a house. If oh, they can destroy a neighborhood them. like I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think it was when I was, I think I was in middle school when, I'm trying to remember where this was. I just remember, like, it, like, a water heater busted out of somebody's basement, went, like, three floors through the roof and then up into the air even more. I believe it killed a dog and injured several people. Yeah, was, I mean, Mythbusters very, did an episode bad. on this and they managed to launch the uh, water heater about 300 feet in the air. Yeah. Like water heaters, and also here's the thing: part of the reason why they they will do that is because they drip. It is a source of endless dripping noise that is incredibly creepy, and so people are thinking, "Oh no, the water heater's broken; it's dripping," and they stop the dripping, which is what causes the pressure build and the thing to you know bust through the roof. Um, but it can be a great source of creepy dripping noise can also, however, be a wonderful thing to destroy the house with at long last. Yes. Yep. Um, speaking of that, you want to talk about like stuff that happened for real. I believe it was 2017 here in my little sleepy town of less than 8,000 people. We had a gas leak in a house that went off and it basically vaporized that house, destroyed several others and damaged like a whole block. Dang. Gas leaks yeah. are awful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Miraculously, nobody died. <laughs> That's amazing and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. The house was not occupied at the time, which is why. <laughs> Important yeah. element, the basement man cave. Yes. Complete with bar. 
mm-hmm. because that gives you bottles of alcohol, which are, again, one of those things that are delightful to have in a game. You're right. You know, you stuff the rag in an instant Molotov cocktail, whatever you need to fend off cultists or whatever. Bottles of wine, but also a the kind of place where you can have a creepy accident because of somebody's weird collection down there of like animatronics yeah. or you know wine yeah. stains look an awful lot like blood too mm-hmm. mm. or you have yeah what is actually in this wine bottle yeah mm. yeah you can yeah. do that too that's that's a fun source we have not talked at all about bathrooms we haven't are we gonna get to the grotesquely large shower that has like you know uses 30 gallons a second maybe not all of them have that i i'm cool with maybe making that a, a thing the big glass wall to divide the shower is obviously a danger. Yeah. Uh, the tub is a danger. They're also a pain in the butt to clean. Sorry, can I go off on a little tangent here? When I was working as a as a cleaning lady in a bed and breakfast, they had those. Oh, everything was tile. We were not given mops. We had to do everything with, you know, elbow grease and rags. Oh, my goodness. Those glass dividers are a nightmare. Mm-hmm. I hate them. Yeah, they're very bad. Uh, I feel bad for you on those because, yeah, those those are not fun. But the other thing is, this is going to sound weird. A lot of McMansions tend to have houseplants in the bathrooms. So if you want weird plants, maybe something that has overgrown in a steamy bathroom, you could pull that in there. And there there are certain plants that can like live without light but kind of like bleach themselves out because they're not using photosynthesis so much i think asparagus is actually one of them that's where you get white asparagus from if i remember correctly and so you might have something like that there's this horrible pale overgrown plant that like you open the door and just plant spills out and you can't get it shut again Mm -hmm. i think plants also have a lot of potential for like Oh, hey, I thought that houseplant was dead two seconds ago. Yeah, or I thought that houseplant was alive two seconds ago. Or, huh, who's growing this strange, toxic plant? Or, oh, who put this wall sconce full of plant right above the bathtub where it's going to fall on somebody? Mm -hmm. Also, grabby vines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Something else, a humorous story from earlier in our marriage that could be helpful here my my little sister got us like an edible mushroom of the month club and you would just get this block of like compressed straw and like mycelium and stuff huh we were terrible at maintaining this which more's the pity because i love like edible mushrooms but we we just kind of left one sitting in the kitchen unattended for a while and we had this giant grotesque tree ear looking thing Oh, goodness. <laughs> when we finally paid attention to it again. How interesting. So something oh, yeah. like that in like a, a like a porch off the kitchen or something that somebody was growing and has just massively overgrown. Oh, yeah. That's actually really good. Because that also sort of plays into people's fears of, of decay and stuff like that. Well, and it, that's one of the themes you could play into here is the idea of passing fame, decay, a rot beneath the surface. I feel like the memory remains by Metallica is this song's like, or is this house's theme song? Oh, I was going with the uh, Johnny Cash cover of Hurt, but you know that's me. This is that you're you're much classier than either this house or I apparently am in this particular case. But 
Fair <laughs> enough. We've been at this for about an hour and a half. Do we have any other elements? Uh, let me let me say this. Is there anything story related we need to pull in here? We've kind of talked about places things can happen. What are we missing? Hmm. A group to put this to put in this house. Like like at at this point, I think it's we, we sort of went from like making a specific house to just generally talking about houses. We did. But I'm I'm throwing that out there mostly because these are the kinds of things that could happen in certain places depending on what what the group does. So yeah, let's pull it back to our original house, this this specific house. So I'm I'm thinking in this particular case a group of like FBI forensic guys going in to look for evidence about the mob lawyer cuz you know, okay. I mean he was a mob lawyer, he probably had all kinds of stuff that would be incriminating to you know, the actual dangerous mobsters that are killing people. Yeah. <laughs> so know? since since they're going in to investigate, what do the neighbors think? Is this is this a neighborhood of McMansions, or is this the one McMansion in a relatively normal suburban area? Can, can I real quickly throw out something as an alternative, Peter? Sure. It's a group of criminals after the mob lawyer's money. One of them is an undercover FBI agent. Ooh. Okay. Because that gives you the infighting. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. that tends to, like, compound the situation in a lot of, like, haunted environment stories. Yeah, so. and it gives people yeah. where they're not, you know, they don't want to stick together, right? They kind of want right. to go off, do their own thing, find it for themselves. Yeah, and then they get separated and the house does something to them, and then the other people don't believe them if they survive it. And You have all of that sort of thing. And it gives you that that sense of, we're already transgressing by being here. Mm-hmm. I have an idea. I'm sort of combining ideas here. So we were talking about multiple furnaces to to heat the whole house. And we were also sort of talking about ghosts as power. So what if for each person that has died in this house, there is another furnace? And oh, interesting. So each furnace that powers a different section of the house is using a different soul as fuel. So the things that happen in the different quarters of the house that are heated by the different furnaces do different things. It's an interesting kind of high concept. I guess, well, okay, I like the direction you're going. There's got to be some remnant of the people. Yeah, because, like, we're, we're talking a lot about what the house is doing, but how are we bringing the ghosts in? I mean, there could just be ghosts. And I know, I know that's a little tr- uh, trite, but here's here's a here's a thing that that I'm I've been kind of thinking as we've been going through it, it kind of crystallized in my head. So there's the house itself, right? That's this kind of like arcane sin magnifier. Mm-hmm. But the house itself doesn't actually have any kind of will. But the ghosts are all vengeful. They don't like each other, and they don't like anybody else being in their house. And ghost that includes fight. the other ghosts. Ghost so there is, fight. Yeah, there is an ongoing war between these ghosts going on, and okay. anybody else who steps into this thing will get caught in the middle. Okay, okay. let me one-up you here. The, okay. The go- I love the ghost fight idea. What if only one of the ghosts gets to go free when the house is fixed? There we go. That's That can be mm. the motivation for why they're fighting. Well, it's why they're fighting, but also the ghosts will try and secretly work with individual party members to yes. solve it in their way. Yes. Oh, that's brilliant. 
That's really good. <laughs> That's solid. That does not mean that the party care the party cannot figure out can can't actually talk to each other, figure this out, and come up with a solution that will either free everyone and end this whole thing, or well, these are all awful people and you know they deserve their damnation. Let's close it up that way. Or they all get stuck there and join in, right? There, there's You could have plenty of that. But the goal of the ghosts is to whisper different secrets and say, if you do this, I'll be free. And they're all kind of pretending they're each the, the only ghost, but you're getting different stories and different ways of getting yeah. it out and different things that happened. Okay, so riffing off of that, the house was designed as a ghost trap. So yes. the, 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 the architect knew that the house was going to magnify people's sin and kill them and then trap their their ghost in the house. And maybe he actually yes. did kill the first ghost or kill the first person there. He As, he as a test. Oh, no, just to, to set it off. Okay. Yeah, it just gave, gave him like, you know, tainted drugs or something like that. Sure. Or he, that was yeah. the drug was, overdose he, guy. He bribed the electrician and there was faulty wiring, you know, like anything along these lines. An electrical, a live electrical cable fell in the bathtub or the swimming pool when the guy was in it or something. Or he literally yeah. broke yeah. in and threw a toaster in there. I mean, who knows? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any, anything along those lines. But you, st- you started that cascading reaction. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, yeah and then it, it builds and builds. And like the, at some point, the party should realize that if this isn't contained, it's going to spread. Yeah. But it'll mm-hmm. start infecting like the other houses in the neighborhood whether that's mcmansions or just like regular houses with this huge mcmansion in the middle and that brings up another um question that one of you asked a little earlier what is the neighborhood in and maybe you're starting to maybe this is dead center in the middle of a neighborhood of these built for spec mcmansions you know what no i like the idea that this is in the middle of an otherwise blue collar neighborhood and it sticks out like a sore thumb and everybody avoids that house. Well, here's why. Here's here's why I'm suggesting this. Because then what you see is once you kind of learn what's going on, as you leave, you can see the signs of decay sort of spreading out from the house. Oh, okay. That could work too. Right. So it it gives you that thematic sense of, oh, if we don't contain this, these other, you'll see more of this happening. Hmm. And, but it also is a little bit of social commentary as well. Yeah, I liked kind of the um, the contrast of a bunch of like modest but very well cared for and like, you know, obviously like humble but kind of virtuous homes around this thing that this is a threat to. You know, it's like there's there's a bunch of, you know, like that guy over there is a carpenter. You know, his house is kept up. It's smaller, but, you know, he treats his customers well. That guy's a mechanic. That guy's a plumber. You know, it's like. Actually, you know what? The, the, hang on, hang on. With this specific idea, maybe something happens in the neighborhood. The house has been abandoned for a while, and a bunch of people from the neighborhood go in to check it out instead of a bunch of criminals or that could cops also or work. Something. It's worth pointing out both of these are just things that happen. Sometimes you get these houses built on spec in large developments. Sometimes there's actually a, a road that I go down fairly regularly that has some of this. It's old farmland and old small houses where people have been buying up the land cheap and building these McMansions on the road. Yep. Yeah. And so you have this fascinating contrast of, you know, these ugly McMansions next to like this little white farmhouse with one, 
Chrissy and I actually have a joke about this. There's a a house that Chrissy and I would pass uh, taking the kids to gymnastics. Um, okay. And we would always joke about them having a ghost horse because it was <laughs> this extremely pale horse, white with just kind of those gray spots that is naturally kind of spectral looking. Had yeah. a long, dirty, kind of dirty colored mane. Wasn't It was fairly well taken care of. But it would also only appear in the rain at the fence. <laughs> we never saw it during the sunlight. Only That's, when it was gray and wow. rainy. Funny. So, That's yeah, that, that was the ghost horse. So you could have kind of a, a creepy area like that. Or, as you say, you know, this weird thing that's out of place. Or this infection in the middle of other very similar houses. I think we could leave that up to the individual game. Because yeah. these are all Yeah, I mean, we've valid. been kind of giving options here. So these are several mm-hmm. that you could do with the neighborhood. The other thing, too, is you can always do like the... Um, you know, this guy built his house like way out of town, like the isolated one that's just like up on there. There's a there's a place that we pass on the way down to see my in-laws who live like an hour and a half away from uh, from where my wife and I live. And my my wife and I have made all kinds of jokes about this place, too. Cause there's this there's this house up on this hill that's like set back like half a mile away from the road. And over the time that my wife and I have been married and while we were dating before then this guy has been going to increasingly more elaborate efforts to make it so this house is not visible from the road so like just these giant berms <laughs> just keep growing in front of this thing and they just keep getting bigger and bigger <laughs> it's like that house <laughs> yeah it's newer construction too so i huh. mean like i I'm, i've almost been picturing that place as we've been talking here in some ways and I've I've been picturing a particular house in my town where um it is constantly under construction because the owner stiffed the contractors. Oh yes. And now no one in the area will work with him because he will not pay. So oh. um <laughs> it has literally been under construction since I was in high school. So it's still got like Tyvek on the side and stuff and Yes. I believe wow. he got some siding up there recently. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like the idea of a... Like this half-finished edition or something? This, like, like, just, it has never quite been finished. So, sort of similar to, um, oh, the Winchester Mansion, I think it's called? The lady who kept building stairs in her house because ghosts couldn't, uh, would get confused about stairs or something like that. Hmm. Um, there was a, there was a, uh, a horror movie about it recently. I think it's called the Winchester Mansion. Anyway, this lady, she was related to, like, the gun Winchester people, and she ended up with all of this money, and she just kept building onto her house to run away from ghosts, literally. That that was her reasoning. If I keep building onto my house, the ghosts can't get me. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like that idea, too. That's pretty good. All right, we've been going at this a while. Yeah, Yeah. we should wrap this up. I don't I, think we have anything else. I mean, we I can probably keep going, but I, I think for poor Justin's sake, we should stop now. Yeah, yeah that too. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. All right. Well, I don't know. He may not have a ton of editing to do on this one. I feel like there's been oh, a lot yeah, of fair. good content. Yeah, it's going to it's yeah. gonna cut down a bit at the beginning because we had some social difficulties or something. Yeah, who not knows? Not quite technical, but yeah, it's... We couldn't talk right at the beginning. It's probably more the... <laughs> yeah. But once we got rolling, yeah, I don't think he's going to have a whole lot to cut. So this might be a kind of a light touch one. Enjoy the long episode, folks. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Another this has one. been a lot of fun. Yeah. I always love these brainstorming ones, but I think we've also kind of hit on some some thematic elements rather than just purely brainstorming. There's some. Yeah. Here's some some functional things Spoopy you can themes. take into your game. Direction, yeah. different directions to take things, themes to think about, motifs. I always like having a game that says something. Not every game has to do this, but especially horror because it is so much mm-hmm. about us as people. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can say a lot with horror. I don't know if you have recognized this yet, Peter, but I'm doing this a little bit in city on in the city on a hill game. So, oh yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. not not loudly, but there's a little bit of that. Yeah. So you know, gaming absolutely works for that, but horror especially so, right? And especially, why do you think a couple of the player characters were so mad at? Oh, a yeah. simple sign. Oh, yeah, you know? no, that was on purpose for a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I definitely want to hear what you would all add to this or take away from this, what direction you'd take it. It can be wildly different. I'm That's exciting, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And I want to hear if you've used haunted houses as well in your own games and just like what that was like. That's just fun. We just want to hear yeah. about it. Listen, we're getting close mm-hmm. to Halloween here. Let's let's yeah. start telling each other spoopy stories. It's cool. Yeah. Also, uh, one of the books I intend to read for the readathon uh, is Horror Store. Uh, oh, by, I, I think started it's Grady reading Hendrix. it. Never finished it, but yes, it's that's kind of it's a like a haunted yeah. IKEA. Hunt, haunted IKEA. <laughs> like, oh, that's I, fun. I, oh, it's so it, apparently it is both hilarious and terrifying. I'm very much looking forward to it. So, uh, real quick, since we're talking about books, I can't. Uh-huh. I don't know how this fits into any sort of bingo card or diverse reading goal. But I would mm-hmm. very strongly recommend A Night in the Lonesome October by Roger Zelazny as okay. Halloween I've, I've had that one recommended to it's me, too. It's wonderful. It is all about Halloween. And it is all about all of the haunts and all of the monsters. Hmm. Okay. It's super interesting. Okay. All right. I think that's probably about it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Hit us up on social media with yours you know, your own ideas, because we want to hear those. You can find us at Saving the Game on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us on the web, stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. Both of those work for us. You can find us on Pray.com and Faithcast.com and InroadsMinistries.com. Uh, you can find us on Spotify and not Google Play, because they're getting rid of that. I don't know. Google Podcasts. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. We're kind of all over the place. We're easy to find. Yeah. So, you know, wherever you're comfortable, Podchaser, you name it, we're out there. Share us around. Leave us reviews because that helps us so much. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, help help get the word out about us. We really appreciate that. Like and subscribe, as it were, uh, and, <laughs> and share. That helps us so much. And if you w- want to interact with other people who are awesome and just as engaged as you want to be, hang out in our Discord. Right. It's a wonderful place to chat with all sorts of fascinating people. Uh, It's a great community. We keep talking it up every episode for lots of very good reasons. And you can find a link to that on our Twitter. You can find a link to that on our website. Definitely join us there. Mm -hmm. All right. I think that's everything. Everybody have a good one. Take it easy. Catch you next time. See you later, folks. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license. Our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilor.com. 
To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.